You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm glad that you're here. I'm accompanied by some fine gentlemen up in Baltimore, Maryland. We have Jeffrey Simpson. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Down in uh, uh, Safety Harbor, Florida, Andrew Larson. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. <laughs> and by himself in Trinity, Florida, we got Timothy Miller. Yeah. Hello. Hey, and uh, Delmar, I don't know, maybe he's like in a 360 camera video just taking pictures of himself because that's what that's the last that time I cool. saw him. Um, it, was, it was really cool, actually. I, I want to be in one of those. I want to do one of those pictures one day. But hey, uh, the four of us are here and we Put have... Put a string on your iPhone. Swing it around your <laughs> throw head. Throw it around. <laughs> it's a little tape. It'll be fine. Just throw it around. Um, hey, guys, how was your weekend? So good. So fun. What happened? We have uh, a bunch of new people showing up. We have new kids. It's a fun time. So uh, on Saturday, also, I went to a community event, and I met, like, the head football coach of the high school right on my street, the head baseball coach, the head soccer coach, um, like, the leader of the police community outreach thing. My Neighborhood Improvement Association is trying to get me to be on the board and eventually be the president. Um, which is probably going to be a good connection. So um, it's a it's kind of an exciting time. It feels like we're kind of turning a corner out of you know COVID and all that. And um, yeah, the new people that were at church were kind of connected to somebody else who's new. Um, so it's it's interesting, Andrew. You'll probably feel this the most out of everybody else except me. But like, it's it's in a very small church. You can go like one week to the next and almost have like a completely different church in front of you when you're preaching, it's crazy. Like, you know, if there's only 40 or 50 people in the room and like 15 of them are different, it's like, it's a different vibe and different feel. So, so yeah, it it was a, it was a good weekend. One one family to change the whole vibe. Yeah, for real. So yeah, that was our weekend. We, uh, we finished our series in the book of Ruth a little early and I actually took a Sunday to talk about war and peace from a Christian perspective. Um, and so I kind of gave people a lot of language from, um, uh, like just the categories of just war and pacifism and just try to help them understand. Got a lot of positive feedback. And uh, we also had a fun thing on Friday night. I have a guy in my church who has been an adjunct professor, like Tim, an adjunct at um, Denver Seminary. And uh, he and I did a thing, called, we called it the professor and the pastor, and we just had a discussion. And we're going to do different theological topics, but this time we did um, baptism based on that article you guys remember from the priest who baptized the babies or baptized people with the wrong words. So we had a few people ask questions about like baptism over the next couple of weeks. And so we decided to, uh, we just did, we filmed it like a live event and we did live questions with poll everywhere. And it was fun. That's really cool. We, uh, <clears throat> we started doing these missions moments at Lakeview once or twice a month. And it's just been us being intentional about getting our missionaries in front of the people as to say, you know, not, hey, give more money to these people, but hey, this is where your money is going to support these missionaries. And it's been really cool. We've had a great response. It's also been a good win for me to get my elders on stage. So it's not just uh, all Tim all the time on stage. So I have our elders who will do these missions moments along with our missionaries. 
And yesterday we did it post-sermon, and it just fit really, really well. Uh, the passage was the living water in John 4, and our missionary that we brought up, we just so happened to put a well in his village in South Sudan, so we literally provided them water a few years ago, so it fit really, really well. And just ended up being a really fun time of celebration and a good time of prayer. So I thought just a little bit of a different vibe at Lakeview, but a ton of fun. I had a spectacular weekend. It was one of my kids' birthdays this past week. So he and I skipped uh, school on Friday and went to one of the Disney water parks. And then my wife and the other three boys met us over there on Friday night. And we parked again on Saturday which I usually would never do a theme park on a Saturday, but Dylan was preaching on Sunday. Our our youth guy completed his time at Safety Harbor Community Church and is moving on uh, as of yesterday. But so as a part of his last week, he was preaching, so I got to go and do dad stuff this weekend. And then yesterday was our church's annual meeting, which is weird that we do it in March, but it's what we do. So before the annual meeting, we welcomed new members. We had 10 new people join our church, which again, as Jeff was saying, uh, 10 people joining a church the size of Epicos might not be a big deal. But Dude, when you're you like a church planter now. Exactly. When you have 10 people join a church that had 45 members, that's a, that's a pretty, big, uh, pretty big day. So it was a very cool weekend all in all. Let's do it again next week. Not really. I'm still sunburned. That'd be bad. Uh, my my week was pretty chill. Uh, nothing too big happened. It was one thing I I did feel like I had. A, I feel like I had a very restful weekend. And when I got to church, I was just like the most chipper. My my announcements were happier. <laughs> like I I just got to like um, get on my knees and just mess with the kids and just play with them. And I, I was like in a really good mood. And I, I was just thinking to myself, like, man, when I have a restful weekend, when I'm, like, able to, like, get enough sleep, not think about work, and just, like, be able to enjoy my weekend, I'm a better person on Sunday than when I'm, like, super stressed and tired because I, you know, didn't take care of my health or I was, like, working a ton, you know? So this is We've been meaning to tell stuff. you you're, you're better on here when, you're, when that's true as well. We've been, okay, trying, good. We've been well, meaning to talk to you about it. I have more exciting intros. What, 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 welcome to our podcast. Um, hey, let's let's just dive into this. Let let's let's take a quick let's keep this tri- train going because we got to dive into these clergy cliff notes before before we before I take the break for the clergy cliff note. If you haven't done so, join our Facebook. Look for practically pastoring on our Facebook group. Find us on Instagram. Share this podcast with a friend. If you if you like this show, we're not we don't have a Patreon. We're not selling merch. We just Yet. want your friendship. So uh, so all that good stuff is 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 uh, is how we can keep this podcast going by you just letting someone know. Uh, anyway, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna dive into uh, the clergy cliff note with the slap heard around the world. So we are recording this the day after the Oscars, and I don't know about you guys. I wasn't watching the Oscars. I was, in fact, I was watching Ant Man. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a Marvel movie, just like chilling. And I started just like you know how you sometimes when you watch the movie multiple times, you just like peruse Twitter or whatever. And and I just saw a bunch of people saying, "Wait, did Will Smith really do that? What 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 what?" Did, and I'm just like reading it, and I'm like, "What is going on?" So I immediately go to Twitter. And I go to the trending, 
and I see it. And I see all this stuff about uh, uh, apparently Chris Rock uh, was about to introduce the category of best, um, uh, not biography. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, documentary. Doc- documentary. 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 Best documentary. And he was, you know, doing typical, you know, what comedians do at these shows, make jokes, usually make jokes of people in the audience. And he made a comment about uh, Jada Pickett-Smith, Will Smith's wife, about her hair, basically saying, it's good to see you. I can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. And then Will uh, got up. The best part was the uh uh-oh. The uh uh-oh was pretty great. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he's walking down. Uh Uh-oh. And Will um, says, oh, yeah, Chris says, uh-oh, and then straight up slaps him in the face. And um, I think – and then he goes back to that. And I think what, 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 why everyone keeps thinking that it's like staged is because of, like, Chris's initial response was, like, he, he was smiling. But, like, if if the most awkward thing happened to you in front of national television, in front of millions of people – I think I would smile too. I would be like, well, what am I supposed to do here? And then not to mention that Will was laughing like right before that. Like it seemed like he laughed at the joke, but then looked at his wife and realized I shouldn't be laughing and then slapped this guy. Then there was this awkward moment where Chris was trying to make sense of it all. And Will very loudly cursed at Chris saying, uh, keep my wife's name out your mouth. And uh, I don't believe it was staged. I looked like it was very, it, it very much felt like a, the Kanye Taylor Swift moment. You know what I'm saying? It felt yes. very real. And, uh, and, and so anyways, after that, did have that vibe. one of my first thoughts was, do we owe Kanye an apology? Because, <laughs> you know, and it's different when, you know, guy in his What's awesome is with the difference with Kanye too is girl, but Kanye didn't, didn't come up have to come back up on stage later and make a speech. Right. <laughs> Kanye, didn't, Kanye didn't win an award that day. <laughs> he didn't win best right. album or anything after that. Uh, what were you going to say, Tim? But w- Will Smith is literally one of the greatest actors of all time. Like he, he won an Oscar yeah, last so night. He just got awarded for that. Yeah. So like yeah, the argument can still hold that it's possible that they knew this was going to be a ratings disaster. They, the only thing trending on Twitter remotely close to the Oscars was, you know, the outfits that people were wearing, which was always trending. Sure. And as sure. soon as the slap heard round the world happened, I mean, I, we, we paused Outlander. We, we never paused Outlander. We paused <laughs> Outlander to see what in the world Twitter was going on about. And staged or not, it's, it's just hard because you've got the, one of the greatest actors of all time who could have yeah. easily acted that out. And then don't forget, he played Ali. The man knows yep. how to box. Had he wanted to put Chris Rock on his back, he could have knocked him out. Instead, he chose kind of a weak slap. The, the, the form was good. He had good follow through. But he, he could have easily laid into a, a legitimate boxing punch had he wanted to. So I don't know if it was so, real or not. Know, man. I, I think the open hand slap is a message sending thing, though. It's, it's super it's disrespectful. Like, it's like a disrespectful. Like a punch is one thing. But an open hand slap is just like I'm letting you know I could do something else, but I'm open hand slapping you because you're so weak. That's how I read it. <laughs> I mean, so I it was weird that act. Chris Rock didn't even move. Yeah, he I just guess. let it, him it, walk right up on him, which maybe I mean, gives a little. I, I don't know. My, there was a wind pers- up to the slap too. Like I, you saw, it, it wasn't like, like he was close. No, he was no. what like forty yards away from him. My yeah. my, impre- my impression was that. Chris thought Will was like just gonna play into the bit and like hug him or like high five him or 
or I don't know, play fight with him maybe. Like I, I could see that where he's like, I'm going to pretend like I'm defending my wife or something like that. But um, I think, again, it's so shocking that like he probably didn't know what, what – the last thing he was thinking of is Will Smith, one of the biggest actors in the universe, is going to slap me in the face for a, for a D-level joke about his wife, right? You know what I'm saying? Which so, – so ultimately what I was going to say is like a G.I. Jane joke, so lame. Like it, 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 in one sense it's lame because it's just not a funny joke anymore. It's dated. Like, yeah, it's so like it's it's a really niche reference, and women having short hair or being bald is not unusual anymore. Like it's 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 very common in in African American uh, culture, and it's also kind of. I mean, I see white women that are like having buzz cuts and, and being bald, so it's like it, it's it's kind of like a lame joke. But secondly, and I know Jeff and I were talking about this before the show was like, you don't mess around. With like specifically like black women's hair. For like, sure, there's a, a cultural thing there. There's Chris, a cultural thing that Chris Rock that's, crossed like, a line that in like Anglo culture is not as hard of a line. And and yeah, for sure. And I think that like um, even if Chris Rock didn't know that she had alopecia or or whatever uh, thing that she has that prevents her from growing hair, um, he knows that you don't mess around with jokes about um, black women's hair now. There's a whole side of this about like comedy and like, uh, is it now unsafe to like make? I mean, so many comedians, their jokes are making fun of what people look like and stuff like that. Um, uh, I'm interested to hear from the comedian community of like their response to this because I can already tell you some comedians who are probably like going to for sure take Chris Rock's stance on this. Yeah, some already have. I've seen on social media. Yeah, so the, the joke wasn't funny, but like now like co- comedy has officially died where like you can't even make jokes like that anymore but here's what i want to talk to you because you probably people listening are like what does this have to do with being a pastor and stuff like 100% that 100 what it's, i've been thinking but go for it fair. so i want to hear your initial thoughts but like there, there's a sense of like a discipleship question where i'm seeing people's response to this and it's pretty it's pretty divided in either saying um what Chris was did was so inappropriate and what Will did is a virtuous move. Like this is what godly men do. They defend their wives. And so, so there's that aspect. And there's another side that says, um, even though Chris's joke was inappropriate, what the Will's people that say this is what was, godly men do are the people that abuse others in their church. Period. Well, End of story. Wow. Well, <laughs> Broad brush strokes. Let me finish my, my intro here. <laughs> I, I get that. I get it. I get it. But like the other side of it is like, you know, people will say what Will did was violent. Like, like you don't like talk to him one-on-one afterwards, or even when you get the acceptance speech, say that joke was inappropriate, but like, you don't strike another man it, 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 like that. Like there's a level of embarrassment. There's also the, um, I mean, I, I'm sure this is probably what maybe Denzel and Tyler Perry, talk to him afterwards about but like this might harm will's career like he played into the angry black man that like the media wants to portray of people right um and i and i, I don't know i think there's there, there's aspects here where like people will say that you know both were wrong and, and so my question to you is this is like when he went on stage afterwards to accept the award which by the way if he wasn't winning best man best actor he would have been like carted off the stage like he would have been I think he would have been asked to leave. Like, if this was anybody else, like, if this was, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a <laughs> I don't know, Paul Rudd? Nah, he's pretty big. But, like, if this was any other actor, they would have been like, sir, you have to leave. Like, you know, this isn't a problem. But this is, like, 
the man who's about to win the one of the biggest awards of the night. Um, like, w- like he says, um, love makes you do crazy things. And like what Andrew just said is what I think is true. People who say love makes you do crazy things to justify violence is definitely like domestic abuse kind of terminology that I get really uncomfortable with. I'm not saying, please hear me. I'm not saying that Will Smith is a domestic abuser or like he abuses his wife or anything like that. What I'm saying is it's that kind of terminology that enables abuse because we, we cloud it in the frame of like, well, love makes I virtue. Control it. Yeah. 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 It makes it a virtuous thing. What are your thoughts about that? I think both of them are wrong. I think it's, you know, I think Chris, Rock to me stepped over a line. Now he's a comedian and that's what they do. And that's what we like them to do. Like that, that's the whole thing is like, that's what comedy is about. Do I think Will Smith was wrong for doing that? Yes. I don't think anybody disagrees that it was a moment of violence. That that's what violence is. It's physical aggression. Um, But I also think like, and I'm hear me. Don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I agree with this or that this is right. But this is an example of you live by the sword, you die by the sword a little bit. If you want to cross those lines, at some point you're playing with fire. Somebody's going to do that. Now, you don't expect it to be at the Oscars on live TV. But, like, if you say that about another man's wife on the street, what do you think is going to happen? Eventually somebody's going to do something like that, and it's probably not going to be an open hand. Yeah, but they weren't on the street. You're right. They weren't. They weren't on the street. So the other – the and other side that of that could the be most said offensive joke that was made that night. Yeah. The other side of that is what I was going to say is you, somebody could say, well, since we're not on the street, you don't take aim at somebody's wife like that over something that sensitive, but then it's comedy and that's what comedians do. So I mean, I don't know. I, you know what's, what's interesting is um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I think after that bit, Amy Schumer made a joke about um, one of the dude's wives he was talking, she was making it, I don't know if you guys saw this bit where Amy Schumer made a comment about um, fill-in seats. Like when an actor or actress goes to the bathroom, they get fillers to sit in the chair. And he went up to this dude's wife. The dude, the wife was Kirsten Dunst. And Amy Schumer says, hey, filler, go over there. Go to the bathroom. And like, like kind of mocked her as she was a filler. It's Kirsten Dunst. It's it's Spider-Man's girl, right? Like, like she's not it's like Kirsten, a. Kirsten, Frank. Kirsten. I have an accent. I can see how Dude, he'll, I want. he will slap you. <laughs> but uh, but you know, um, you know, it's like she made, but but like she made an appropriate joke. I, I don't know if it was inappropriate. That's to the uh, to the beholder, I guess. But like, um, man, it's just like from a it's not pastoral, but from a comedy point of view, from a person that enjoys comedy, this is a scary precedent. Yeah, this is a bad day. Yeah, because it's like part yeah. of what we like about comedy is that comedy. Like what comedians are good at is towing the line. Yeah. And like what they're good at is once in a while going over the line, which is what makes us laugh because we can't believe somebody said that in public. Like yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. Anyways, Tim, I, I, I think we we all know what Andrew feels about this, but Tim, how do you feel what, 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 when you, when the conversation of like, is this what a virtuous man does? I like what Jeff said, like in the streets, I mean, if if someone were to insult your, I'm wife not saying streets, I wasn't trying to say it's virtuous or not. I know, I know. I'm but, just but saying you were making a statement of like you, you say that in the street, and you you're going to get a fat lip at least. Yeah, Tim. I think I think that the the virtuous man uh, is able to, to to hold his position and approach Chris at the right amount of time at the right time, which would have been you know after the show. 
or whenever, but not not on live TV on camera. Again, guys, this you have to understand, like this show is for us. Like I, I've talked to people and in, in LA who who are in the industry. My brother is in the industry and he and his friends absolutely hate the Oscars. They hate what they're about. They hate the nature of it. It is not for them. It is for us to watch them parade around us. So many in that industry actually don't even watch the Oscars. So this was an this was a, an all-out ratings push to the max. Whether or not it was planned, it was exactly what the Oscars hoped for. So in one sense, it's like, ugh, they, they win again by, by doing this. But if we're going to go, you know, what's virtuous and what's not, I, I don't really think it's that much of a debate, right? Like, no, no. way were either of them right. But if you want to go back to, like, inappropriate jokes, fast forward, I mean, rewind a few years to Ricky Gervais and what he did on stage was That's what the I most was offensive just the most offensive performance I've ever seen by a comedian at a, an awards show ever. And no one slapped him. So it, it right. wasn't right either way. But if we're going to sit here and say, we don't expect comedians to offend us, then well, we're missing the point there too. The Oscars are pretty much like when they, when they put Senate hearings on, on TV, it's like it's, we're just watching a clown show at that point. Not even Ricky Gervais, who was incredibly offensive, hilarious, but Ricky Gervais offensive. Um, when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted, um, I think I think it was the Golden Globe several years ago, and they made jokes yeah, about it was the Taylor Globes. Swift. And Taylor Swift like said something about it on Twitter. The way that the industry went after her as whoa whoa whoa, you clearly don't get the joke if you're offended by the joke. So anyone that thinks that uh, Will Smith responding in that way was virtuous is basically just saying, we like this person, and because we like him, we're going to defend him, because assaulting somebody in public on an internationally broadcast uh, show and thinking it's okay is absurd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance here and potentially say something that I'll regret or ask a question. I'm asking in good faith, in, in all honesty. Um, do you think that there's a category difference in jokes – that because this joke, you know, if you know that she has alopecia, this joke is going after something that's akin to or at least like adjacent to making fun of somebody's disability in terms of like it's a it's something they can't control that they're very, very self-conscious about. You know what I'm saying? And especially as a woman and like Frank and I said, particularly as an African-American woman. Um, so I wonder if that's part of why the level of offense, at least the what seemed like Will Smith's level of offense after his wife gave him that look, which is another wrinkle in the whole thing. But is that, is that part of it? Because like Ricky Gervais, as far as I remember, didn't go after anybody's looks. He was like, he was joking about how worthless actors basically are in the industry <laughs> is, but he, which is its own kind of offense, but he wasn't saying anything about the way anybody looked. And I wonder if that's a different category of like the way somebody hears it doesn't make what Will Smith did any better. Honestly, the, to me, the part I can't get over with is how long it took him to get to Chris Rock and actually do that. Like, I could have seen him. I could have understood it more if the video was like Chris Rock said the joke and at the punchline, Will Smith stood up and looked mad and then thought better of it and sat back down. Well, guys, don't up, forget it. There's a 30 second delay here. So that means everybody knew what happened. They cut to the right camera angle and still opted to show it. That's why they could blur the audio out in, this, in the right amount of time. Yeah. So they could have cut to commercial, not showed any of it, but they opted to show it knowing the ratings that were about to happen. So the, 
this was i mean it might like, not have been planned but the oscars had had a window to say we're not going to show this this is not right. what we want to present but they realize like if we show this through the roof ratings in live sporting events, like if a streaker runs on the field, they that's what they do. They never show it because they don't want to give, you know, they don't want to give credence to that. So, so one of the critiques I saw is like this: this the precedent this sets is that people do stuff like this now because they know it'll get on TV, which is part of why, like in that example I gave, streakers used to do that because they could get on TV, but they don't anymore. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting precedent. I mean, if I was a comedian, I'd be nervous. Frankly, and somebody I may have been Delmar may have shared something about this, but somebody posted like, what kind of example does this set now for kids like in classrooms or in other settings? And then I'm thinking, what is I mean, does this make more people more like prone to run up on pastors on in the pulpit on Sundays or like that's an interesting I mean, because we're we've talked about that. We're kind of in a position like that on on a Sunday morning, not in front of you know, that high level of celebrity, but like we're in front of a room of people. Is this somebody who has some kind of instability mentally? Do they see this and see it as an example? And I'm going to, I don't, it's just like, it could go anywhere. You, 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 you talked about the joke being about, um, you know, adjacent or equal to mocking a disability. And that's kind of what I'm seeing online is like, people are saying that, you know, it's ableism and privilege to be making, making jokes like that. And an and, illness um, and a disability are two very different things. Agreed. Agreed. As, as no, I, no, my, no. my wife is a special ed teacher. There's, I made fun of Tim when he got COVID and it was hilarious. It was very funny. Fun of, I would not make and, fun of one of my wife's students. Those are correct. two and, very, very different things. And a woman who but Did isn't alopecia is not like you can just get better. It's like a, it's a condition that you have, right? No, it's treatable. Okay. I, there's I mean, there's different degrees of it, like like anything else. But I have a family member who dealt with it. I'm just trying to understand. You're saying that you like disagree with my premise, right? You're saying it's not like a disability. That it's more like getting a, a illness that you can cure. I'm I'm saying I, I'm just trying to understand you. I'm saying making fun of a disability is very different than, you know, an illness is something that you recover from. Right. Or, or you're saying you're saying, okay. So in my mind, I'm, I'm putting alopecia in the category of like, it's a condition that I didn't know was treatable. It's a condition that you just have, you can't control it. It's not like, it's not like, you know, Tim went into a room of people with no mask and got COVID. And I mean, Hey, that's what happens. Right. And he got better. No, but it's, but it's, but let's say it's like eczema or something like that. I, I think eczema right. is a very, or do you know what? Let's say it's like cystic acne because yeah. both are things that are embarrassing. You don't want how many, how and many, every, and everybody knows you have it if you're in public, right? Everybody exactly. sees it. So, but how many acne jokes have been made over the past 8,000 years of human history or 6,000 right. years of human history if you're at the Ark Museum? Um, but, no one, I was just saying, no one laughed about that one. Come on, that, that was, was great. I just got it. <laughs> but how, like, how many jokes about acne have been made? And no one's getting punched for that. It's yeah. it's a I mean, similar thing. There's a there's a level of uh, punching down versus punching up that is is at play here. And and punching down, I I, I mean, this is my personal conviction. I think punching down at people who you don't have a personal relationship with. Um, almost always results it as it not being funny, at least especially the person that you're punching down towards. But like 
if I'm punching down towards Tim, I have a relationship with him. That could be just bros being silly with each other. I mean, Jeff and I literally do this. All, he, well, Jeff does this to me all the time. He punches down towards oh, me. Please. I really never punch down to Jeff. Please. No, but uh, but uh, but like when it comes to like, I, I think this is like a, a great example. If there's any kind of connection with preaching, is one in your humor, the only kind of jokes you can make that are um, uh, insulting could be self-deprecating. It's never appropriate to make a joke about someone's appearance about someone else in the audience, even if you have a relationship with like, like it's never going to land well. Also humor from a pastor is very different from humor from a comedian. So you have to be very mindful of that. It's, it's better to not use a joke than try to use a joke. But, but I think ultimately the, the weakness of, of, of Chris Rock's joke is one, it's a dated joke. It's just like, like uh gi jane is such a it's it's just a bad joke like and if if she didn't have a let's, let's say it was just a woman who chose a bald lifestyle like okay maybe like it'd be an it, he wouldn't get slapped because it was just my wife chose to be bald and that was a punchline right but it still would be it wouldn't be a good joke i think that there's a lot of elements of play the one thing we haven't discussed is the the weird relationship will and jada have prior to this yeah that no one's talking about that. Like that well, people are talking about it. That's another aspect of this. That's really weird that like will has to slap every person ever for ever making fun of their relationship, making fun of their marriage. Right. Like obviously I'm speaking of hyperbole, but like there, there's a lot of nuance here that, that makes this messy, but Jeff, I didn't even or think the fact about that. that. Maybe we, we don't know that Chris rock wrote the joke. Most of what oh. shows you're, you're reading off yeah. a teleprompter. So who knows? Yeah. Sometimes, if sometimes if you are a comedian, though, if you are a comedian, you'll write your own joke. But you, you, wanna... you make a good point. You make a good point. Uh, he, 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 at minimum, that joke had to get approved, probably. And I mean, this like, could have gone. Imagine if Will Smith didn't do anything except give him dart eyes. Like he would have been roasted on Twitter not long after that. You know what I'm saying? People oh, would have found out she anything? had alopecia. They would have been roasting him, and it would have. It would have. It would have. He could have let Chris Rock hang himself a, a little bit. But now that's not what anybody's the talking Michael about. Phelps it's like stare from those Olympics all those years ago. Just mm-hmm. that death look. Mm, that would have well, done that's it. what Jada that's what Jada Smith was giving him. And it's like the cameras pick that stuff up. They're gonna see that. So Oh yeah. Yeah. But I think this also speaks to the the hypersensitive culture we live in on both sides of the argument. Like wh- wherever you land, disagree. We, we we still live in an incredibly hypersensitive culture. I think we in ministry as pastors, as public communicators have to acknowledge that. So I do think that's where this plays into our world and life and ministry because we're we're going to be picked apart, we're going to be criticized. So we have to be I mean that's just it's an extra layer of caution that we need to to lay down on top of what we're already doing, especially in the online world where everything we say is now broadcast and anybody can go back and watch it. Just terrible. I'll give you two, I'll give you two examples that come to mind when you say that. Number one is I have in the church I'm at now there's a there's a a guy in my church who has a disability, gotten a a terrible car accident years ago. And um you know honestly, like they didn't expect him to walk at all, but he can walk, but he's got disability now and so i'm a little more mindful of when i'm inviting people to stand or sit i'll say instead of just saying let's stand together i'll say something like if you're able let's stand together just that little bit of now a couple weeks ago i was talking about our easter egg hunt during just announcements which we do after the live stream is over thank god so it wasn't online and i made a joke about if you're if you know we need some help to clean the church up and it's so you know, you guys in here who you able-bodied guys better be here and make sure. And I just, he didn't take offense to it. 
I didn't mean any offense to it, but it was just a little bit thoughtless and a little bit insensitive. And I just went over to him after the service, like, Hey, I'm really sorry. You know, I didn't, I just, I just, honestly, I didn't think about it and I should have thought about it. And you're right, Tim. I mean, I, I think we just live in a day and age where you just have to be careful especially if you're on the live stream and you say something like that, because it can be ripped out of context really, really easy. Will Smith a couple of years ago slapped a reporter for like trying to kiss him. Remember that on the red carpet? Like, 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 yep. you, like I remember it well. there, was a, there was like a guy kind of pranking him and like trying to kiss him or something. And he slapped him in the face. <laughs> and I remember I actually had no problem with that. I'm like, dude, that like, that was weird, and my first reaction of like is like to like kind of jab at someone too. That was a weird thing. But anyways, Jeff, you said something that kind of like kind of freaked me out. Is that this may give a precedence um, in our culture that like just get on stage when you're not supposed to. Like like yeah. uh, did, I mean that that freaks me out. Like you you see that rarely in the church, but you do see that sometimes, particularly like in protests. Like I've heard of a guy go to Joel Osteen's church and just stand up in the middle of a sermon and start preaching repentance. There was a guy at John MacArthur's church who did that once, uh, not too long ago, like a couple months ago. Um, I would not so do that at MacArthur's the- church. <laughs> You'll get like lifted out of there. <laughs> Way well, too I many mean, people have guns there. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the uh, Osteen's in Houston. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to do that there either. But That's true. I mean, um, like... There are sometimes I've been in serv- services where it seems like there's some congregants who don't pick up on social cues that they shouldn't be talking or they shouldn't be responding or something like that. And like, that's very uncomfortable. Um, I had this, I mean, I, I, in youth ministry, this happened all the time. Like kids, like hijacking my sermon to talk to me. And I'm just like, bro, you can't talk. Like, like this is the part where I talk and you listen. Like this, this like, is my time, real- people. <laughs> I know, I know. And so I don't know. It, it it kind of freaks me out. So here's a question. We've we've talked about this before, but I want to hear it right now based on the, what we just saw. Um, someone comes on stage and they slap you across the face. Based They're not. On just, your- I'm not going to just stand still. First of all, if if someone's walking towards me, I'm backing up. I'm bowing up to a little bit, but like I'm backing up, right? But yeah, my, I, feet, I, my I, feet are getting into a bladed stance. I think I'm my too, hands are going up near my chin. I think I'm like too prepared for that moment where Chris was people. Chris yeah. wasn't expecting that. Where like I think all of us have thought, why is this walk? Is this guy really going to sit in the front row or is he coming on stage? Like that's we've all had that thought before, right? So, um, yeah i I wonder I wonder though how many churches are or how many people who are listening to this are in churches. That if if a guy did get to the stage and slap the pastor, that it would be the exact same reaction as what happened in the, the Oscars, where everyone just like <gasps> their mouth agaped, just didn't know what to do, and no yeah. one did anything. Like, I don't know. Did man. you see the picture of Nicole Kidman? No, she's like freaking out. It's 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 pretty much the 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 greatest summary of events of last night ever. It's wonderful. She looks there's terrified. A, there's, a, there's, a, or, there's a meme. Well, maybe there's a meme horrified, not terrified. There's a meme of Andrew Garfield on his phone and it says like, hey, did Will Smith slap anyone in your universe? <laughs> like <laughs> making fun of the Spider-Man. That's really funny. Um, man. Anyways, I, I think that's all. That's the extent of what we have to have this conversation about this. Um, I, I just it's it, it's too much in the ethos of our world and too many Christians and pastors have already commented on this. I just wanted to to get your thoughts on this. Well, hey. 
We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go into our main discussion about being newlywed and in ministry. No slapping. So we have a question from um, some of our listeners. Uh, this question was asked to us back at the conference, and we didn't get to it. How do you balance being newlywed and in ministry? And so, um, so yeah, think about a person who, uh, I mean, uh, Andrew, you have a person that's a, a newlywed and is, you know, I used to. to. His last day was yesterday. Well, I miss him. That's how you balance it. Well, that's how you just fire him. <laughs> no, um, I did not fire him. <laughs> I know. I, I love know. him. Uh, what would you, what would you do? Uh, how, what would you counsel a person who's brand, brand newly married? Um, that's a ministry right now. What would you say? Do ministry together. Yeah. I would say, I mean, before we get to that question, I would have a lot of questions about did anybody, any pastor in your premarital counseling, which I'm assuming you went to, uh, talk to you about, Hey, you're going to be in ministry. Do you understand, you know, to the, in this particular case, I'm assuming the wife is not in ministry or not officially in ministry, but she's about to find out she is in ministry. Um, are you ready for that? And to the husband, if she's not ready for that and she's telling you, I don't want a life in ministry. Um, you need to have a long conversation about that because if she's, if she's like, I don't want to do this and you want to, you, you're going to have to figure out whether or not, I mean, how you move forward. It may require you not being in ministry for a while for the sake of your family. But in this question, I'm going to assume the wife is down with it and she realizes or or the spouse is down with it. And sh- and they realize that this other uh, person is, is going to be in vocational ministry, at least part time, if not, let's assume full time. How do you this is kind of a question about work life balance, right? How do you balance the needs of your new marriage with the needs of ministry? And I just, I, I don't know that there is a balance. I just think it's a, it's a healthy, it's, it's gotta be a constant healthy discussion because the thing is vocational ministry is not like a regular job where you have like, you just leave it at the, at the office. It's different. It's, it's your calling, it's your passion, it's your job all wrapped up into one. So the danger is that you can get sucked into workaholism and cloak it in spiritual language and, and it's all good and kind of abandon your, you know, your spouse and never spend time with them. And, you know, the simplest, I guess the simplest way to think about it is like you, when you're when you're 60 years old, you're still going to be married to your spouse, but you probably won't be at the same church you're at now. And you might not even be in ministry. So don't sacrifice the first one for the second one. I think this is a good discussion. Specifically, the question is about being newlyweds, right? Not you've yeah. been married three, four, five years. So I think there's a difference there. I know when Steph and I first got married, I was I was an intern at a church. And we we had you know discussions before we got married that hey we're, we get married in May and summer camp is June and, and we both went together we were newly newly married we we wanted to be together as much as we could so that that meant going on trips together but that that dynamic changed a bit when I got to Lakeview and I did lay down some some ground rules and expectations when I interviewed with Lakeview and the question I asked was what's what is expected of my spouse so I think that's a good question to ask your leadership team at your church. If there are expectations on her, prayerfully, there are not expectations on her and she can just be or your spouse can just be who God's called them to be. But I think having that healthy conversation is going to promote healthy boundaries 
in your marriage, especially if your spouse knows, look, I'm not expected to start the women's ministry, but if I want to be a part of it, that's fine. But having a, an unnecessary or an unhealthy expectation placed on them could be a, a major hindrance to your marriage. In especially if it's unspoken, which is a really can be exactly. a tough one to read. Yeah. Exactly. You can, because I agree with you. You should ask that question. And they may say in the interview process, no, there's no expectation. But then you get there and there's all these unspoken, unwritten expectations that are assumed. Like, well, yeah, she's going to run the children's ministry. That's what that's what the pastor's wife does. So you may want to ask, what have pastor's wives in the past done? Like whoever, what, whatever position you're looking at as a youth pastor, worship pastor, has the wife of this person on staff or the or the spouse of this person on staff done anything and is that expected of this spouse in this position now? And I would yeah, say I think try it's a, to be... That's a super real world question to ask. We had somebody at the Practically Pastoring Conference a few weeks ago, and, and he approached me and said, look, this is happening in our church right now. My wife is getting approached, and they are saying, so-and-so, who happens to be the previous pastor's wife, did this. Why aren't you doing this? Right? And so all of a sudden, there's like this, whoa, I had no idea that that yep. was even an expectation on me. So I think asking those questions, really, really great way to start off. I think you should go in with the idea that you you get to do ministry together, but you don't have to do ministry together. The uh, like, legitimately, the the healthiest senior pastor I ever served under, his wife was content to sit back and never be on stage, never be you know on camera. Now that the world is all you know, every church is all digitized and everything is out there for everybody. Um, I I still follow this church; they they ordained me. Um, but his wife has not been in one video since the pandemic started and that's just her she does not want to be out in front and the church is is fine with that and i've served with other pastors where it was the husband and wife show and he was the one getting the salary he was the one on staff yet very rarely if it wasn't mid-sermon it was he standing up without her by his side and that's something that you you get to or you should get to figure out what you're going to do as a couple I also think, you know, we, we talk about the unspoken expectations. One of my wife and my closest uh, friend couples, she is the children's ministry director at a church. He is not. And nobody ever expects him to show up and do stuff when she's the one who is full-time on salary at a church. No one expects that he's going to also be volunteering 20 hours a week. So I think we need to realize that some expectations are are unfair towards wives that wouldn't be the same uh, expectation towards a husband, but talk to your church, but also just, just lean into it. I don't think it has to be a very difficult balancing act. I think you can once I, for our family, we had way more issues once kids started showing up than we yeah. did as newlyweds because as yep. newlyweds, it was a, Hey, this is the thing that we get to do together. Yeah. I would say to uh, Tim, you touched on this just to get real practical Depending on the position, whoever the ministry person is taking, there will be times of the year that will be more busy than others. Uh, and there's a lot of similarities. I mean, for everybody on church staff, Easter and Christmas, you're just going to be more busy. That's just the reality of it. But what you might want to talk through as newlyweds or in the process of getting married is what are our expectations for family holiday stuff around those times? Because you, you probably can't be at Christmas Eve. If you're the if you're going to be the senior pastor or the or like the worship pastor, um, you're probably not going to be able to be at Christmas Eve stuff because you're going to have some kind of Christmas Eve service. If you're the youth guy, you might be okay. 
there might not be a Christmas Eve expectation on you. If you're the children's person, you're probably going to be at every one of these things because the child care is going to be expected. So think through those kind of issues. Uh, again, in the youth ministry world, summer is going to get kind of busy. Um, right after Christmas time, maybe you're going to do a winter retreat. So think through some of those schedule and pattern things in your year, because what I would say is those can become the places where bitterness can take a root if you don't talk about it. And every year your spouse is frustrated at you because you miss Christmas Eve again, or your birthday happens to be at a high point, or let's say their birthday happens to be at a real, you know, strenuous time of the year for you. It's right in the middle of summer camp season if you're a youth pastor. And every year you're like, ah, man, and we should have done your birthday, but we can't, or your anniversary, whatever. Talk, Try to talk through that stuff. Get ahead of it, you know, before it's happening and you're five years into a marriage. And now ministry is frustrating for both of you because, you know, the spouse is mad that you're always missing these things that they had expectations about, and you're mad that they're mad. And so it becomes not enjoyable for anybody. So that can maybe is a practical thing to think through just the schedule and the, and the rhythm of the year. What is just to so, echo off yeah. that, like you can, you, you get to do ministry together. That's part of it, but you don't always have, just because you get to do ministry for most of the year, doesn't mean that you have to do it all the time. Even if you are the husband wife team that you're showing up, holding hands and smiling together on Christmas Eve, maybe just one of you shows up. Yeah. And that's okay too. Especially with kids. Once kids start, it's okay. You know, pa- guys that are senior pastors or, or, or pastors on staff, it's okay if your wife and kids don't come to every service that you have. It really yeah. is okay. Yeah, and- in my case, my wife sometimes doesn't come and my kids don't come and they're in the house across the parking lot from the church. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's cool. The, it's it's seasonal. The The balance is not a forever thing. Just because something works during this season doesn't mean it's going to work in the next season. And the next season might start next week. And and also, I think, too, it's not wrong. And I'm going to say take advantage. I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's not wrong to take advantage of the lulls in the year either. Like, Andrew, you talked about, I think you just said you went to a water park last week in the middle of the week, right, with one of your kids. So no, if you're I, a newlywed. Friday and Saturday. Okay, but still, Friday, if you had a regular, you know, quote-unquote regular job with office hours, you couldn't just do that. So – it's not wrong if there's a slow time in the in the ministry year to if you're a newlywed take a three day weekend and go like Thursday through Saturday and go on a little retreat somewhere, you know do those kind of things, um and and just try to figure out that that balance of like there's busy seasons and there's lull seasons in the ministry calendar. I think also knowing that your your spouse is is going to to change over time like what might be really exciting at first could look a little bit different a few years down the road my wife and I were both super stoked about youth ministry when we first started out on the journey together as a married couple and as a, a ministry couple but as the the years went on and like you said Jeff kids entered the picture she she realized that her passion wasn't student ministry anymore and and that's okay even if if you have different ministry passions, that that's that is a very okay thing to have in a marriage. Um, uh, you 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 got Jeff. You kind of mentioned this, and I wanted to see if if each of you could just give one answer to this. What is one either boundary or habit that oftentimes new, like you you talked about, like thinking through your calendar and stuff like that. What is a boundary or a habit that you wish? people who are newly married in ministry would add to their life, like, you know, or, or, or protect their, their family from, 
Uh, what's like one thing that you think that people often forget and they have to learn the hard way five to 10 years into ministry? Date night. Having intentional date nights? Having some kind of intentional. Going to a ministry event together does not count as your date. Mm, that's good. Yeah, because especially if you're like even remotely kind of in charge, somebody's going to walk up to you and ask you a question or whatever. So like do something where you're not in charge of anything and you don't have to run anything or solve any problems and do that together. On the, on the calendar side of things, Steph and I waited way too long to have a shared calendar. I, I don't know how ministry couples survive without a shared ministry calendar. For real. Meaning meaning when I when I go to my iPhone, my iCal, I open it up and I see everything Steph has for that day and she sees everything I have for that day including appointments, times, where I'm going to be, what time I'm going to be home. So I I I just for me that's it's a no-brainer now. I wish we had started having a shared calendar sooner. Yeah, it's it's an unofficial habit that we just kind of fell into, but almost every night Amy and I will like at some point in the night ask each other what do you got tomorrow? Oh, I got a meeting. Yep. And then I'm going to do this. I'm, and then she'll I'm taking the kids here and then doing that. Um I would say one struggle that I know in my uh that I would just caution you you against if you're a newlywed is um I can struggle to handle curveballs in the calendar. Like they make me irritable and so like I have to watch out for that. And what I mean is I have kind of in my mind, I have the day kind of mapped out. And then if my wife says, hey, can you do this or take our daughter here? Even if I might have the margin, I can get a little bit too annoyed that she was asking me that like I'm like I'm special and and I, and I can't flex it all. So that's just a caution on the on the schedule thing. But for a long time, Amy and I or for a while, Amy and I would try to do on Sunday night in in our calendar. There was an event that just said sync. And we would try to have a discussion intentionally on a Sunday night about the big things going on the next week. So, Andrew, you got some advice? Oh, I've got some advice. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, when so when my wife and I got married, we we lived in the town that we both grew up in. Um, we went to the church where my, my wife got saved. I was on staff there. And so in a lot of ways, our single lives, sure, they joined, but there would be regular weekends where I would hang out with my buddies. She would hang out with her friends and we would be like, you know, roommates that happened to have sex, but our lives were just not super connected. Then we moved to Texas for me to go to seminary and our life became our life, not her life in my life. And out of that, I would say one of the biggest changes was before we did that, we were trying to keep up with all of our friends who, you know, went to college with us or we knew from wherever. And they had all these different types of careers, which is wonderful. You don't only want ministry friends, but you still need ministry friends. One of, I, I think every young couple should have a mentor couple, whether it's an official mentorship or an unofficial mentorship, someone that's, you know, a life stage or two ahead of you that you can go to with stuff, but you also need ministry friends. You need a couple who is at your exact same life stage. If Tim and I did not have each other, you know, the, the texts that we reach out to each other with eight or 12 times a day, and we're not newlyweds. I've been married for 16 years. Tim's been married for what, 14 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, it would, it would probably make us go insane, so I don't just think you need a mentor couple. I think you need to find a ministry couple who is at your exact same life stage that you get to do life with. And that means you're not going to go to their church, and that's okay. And they don't have to live next door. They can live an hour away. But find someone who you click with 
that is at your same life stage that you get to do life and ministry with. And then if life changes, they have kids before you have kids, you have kids before they have kids. You're not marrying these people. Relationships change and that's okay, but they'll also help keep you sane. Andrew, that's a really good point. You didn't even talk about our ministry frat parties where we will we every couple of months, frat party. every couple of months, our, our, our families, and usually it's without kids, will get together at someone's house for a game night, a hangout night, and it's just a couple of pastors, their spouses, and it's just that. It's food and hang, and it is glorious. I think that's And you call it a crucial. frat party? Yeah, it's called, it's called a ministry frat party. Okay. Well, we because have nobody, frat party. nobody gets you like another ministry couple is going to get no, you. No, that's a fact. That is a fact. I would say one last thing I was just thinking of, newlyweds in ministry – Man, we've said it before, but do not be afraid to get counseling if you need it. Mm, okay. Get it. And you need it at some point. Um, there's a, this should, We should have a ministry frat party next year in Florida or in February. Like in February sometime? I think that would be a great I think that would be cool. great. Yeah. Hey, um, this was a good episode. Uh, we, we had a lot of good discussion. Um, I, I think but the you'd Will say Smith that every slept. episode. Never <laughs> once have you been like, guys, that episode sucked. That, that was well, just, you know what? That was mediocre, once, guys. Was, Another week in the books. Be better next well, week. <laughs> you know, I actually do believe that every one of our episodes are just home runs. I just think we crush it. You know, so I'm happy. I'm happy how we how how, how our uh, good baseball reference. I'm excited about the season. Thank you. Good. Good. I was um, just watching hey. the video of Albert Pujols making his spring training debut oh, for man. St. Louis. That's kind it of cool. Great. It's very cool. Well, hey. Um, we will hopefully, Lord willing, see you next week, um, uh, with a new clergy cliff note and a new discussion. If you want to contribute to this podcast, we would love for you to give us a voicemail. You can go to, to privatelypastoring.com and there you can click a voicemail or look at our show notes for the link. Um, and, and as always, uh, we hope to see you next time. Please share it with a friend until next time. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. We miss you, Del. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.